Welcome to County Conversations. I'm your host for today's episode, Mark Levine. I'm the Deputy Director of the New York State Association of Counties. And I'm very excited about our guest today. It's Jen Martin, who's the Enterprise Fraud Risk and Operations Leader for KeyBank. KeyBank is a longstanding NISAC partner, and we appreciate all that KeyBank does to provide value and services to the counties of New York State. And Jen, Jen Martin, we're lucky to have her today. Jen has over 20 years of experience in the financial services, technology, data management, operations, public safety, and government service industries. She's an expert in this field, as I'm sure you will find out through this conversation. Jen, we really appreciate you being with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to KeyBank and um, a little bit about your career? Sure, and thank you for having me. I'm passionate about talking about fraud and fraud prevention. And so I really appreciate the opportunity um, to talk to the counties of New York about what we're seeing in the industry because fraud is really intense right now. We all wanna you know, make sure we're doing our part. Um, from my background, I, my, uh, my education is in criminal justice and statistics. I thought I was gonna be a crime statistician and then realized that that was not as exciting as I thought it would be. <laughs> and then uh, actually went into um, government consulting for criminal justice software solutions. So worked with many of the counties across the United States implementing um, jail management, court management, um, prison management systems uh, back, you know, I mean, remember the Y2K, right? <laughs> I did a lot of Y2K projects back in the day. Uh, and then uh, fast forward and had an opportunity to get into financial services uh, in 2008 and really, you know, built a career around uh, data, using data for insights and intelligence, uh, worked heavily in the, in the Great Recession and the housing, um, you know, issues we had back in those days. And then, you know, really, uh, you know, through a variety of different roles, and became um, the chief data officer for another bank um, in their consumer division. And in that really had my first taste of like what, what fraud is and, and how, like how we monitor for that. And really it's about the data, right? And using data to identify fraud before it happens. And so the institution I was at at the time had an opportunity for their head of fraud um, role and I, I went into that uh, about five years ago and have never looked back. Right, that fraud's a great blend of my interest in financial services and criminal justice, uh, and it's ever changing. Like every day is a kind of a new and exciting day as we you know try to get after these bad guys and and fight the good fight for our clients, for our families. Right, the the interesting thing about fraud is even when I work with my peers. There's no competition. We're all trying to fight the same bad actors, and the more that we can, you know, collaborate and have sessions like this, and you know, get the word out about fraud and work with each other, and that's really how we, you know, can hopefully get ahead of uh, all of these different threats that exist. That's great. Thank you very much. Yeah, what a blend. I mean, counties are, are all about public safety. And right now we're super focused on public safety and security. We, we're, we 
um, cybersecurity issues are all at, are out there, and there's uh, criminals in, in, in that arena, and there's criminals in the banking arena, and we have to be super focused because we have the public fisc. We have to look after the public's fiscal situation as the stewards of the taxpayer, of the residents of all of our counties. So we appreciate this today, um, and we appreciate what 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 you do and, and what your colleagues do to help us eliminate fraud in the best ways possible. So along that line, generally speaking, what are you seeing in the bank fraud space right now? Yes, I, you know, and I'll, I'll make a quick comment about especially counties, right? And, and you're thinking about fraud risk and cyber risk, your targets, right? Like fraudsters know that bad actors know that there's a lot of money flowing in and out of county government, that you know, depending on the size uh, of the you know of the county, like technology may not be as robust as other counties, right? And and we see this at banks as well. Like frauds are not you know brand specific or kind of like they're looking for like the the opportunity, and they're constantly prevailing like everyone's controls, counties, you know, um, fuel industry, banks, right? Wherever there's you know money and a lot of transaction of money that attracts fraudsters, they they have increased um, you know interest in what we do. So you know especially um, you know for the counties of New York, it's so important um, to have controls and be focused on fraud and security because unfortunately you're you're a target <laughs> of of bad actors, right? And so what we're seeing from a bank fraud perspective is a high velocity of fraud, right? What we know from the pandemic is that it brought a lot of new entrants into the fraud space. Anytime you have billions of dollars coming through the ecosystem, even though the intent was good, uh, a lot of fraudsters realize, hey, there's a lot of money to be made quickly and the controls aren't there to prevent us from running rampant. And so it, it brought a lot of new entrants, people who didn't do financial crimes before have now have interest in this, in this field. And then, you know, after, you know, the pandemic and some of those programs died away, you know, they're not going to go back to life the way it used to be. They realize, hey, you can make a lot of money. And so now they're really targeting banks, counties, hospitals, big corporations, really anywhere that they can find weakness um, to perpetuate, you know, fraud, and that's, and it's an, it's coming in a lot of different ways, right? So any place that there's transaction, any place that there's money movement, right? Um, fraudsters want to interdict in that process. There's a lot of identity theft we're seeing, where unfortunately, because I just saw in an article, like over 5,000 breaches in the past like seven years of data, right? You think about just, you've seen them in the news, right? Hotel chains or hospitals, right? Our credentials are just out there, right? And now um, bad actors can harvest that information and take your um, name, social driver's license, all of your identity information and make new accounts elsewhere, right? We saw that with uh, unemployment insurance and other programs. And so now that everyone's identities have some kind of compromise to them, that's how bad actors are getting into to banks and to other places to set up accounts to move funds, right? So 
like identity theft, having identity controls are really important on any program. Any program that offers money to people is prone to have identity theft abuse, right? Where people are just trying, you know, anything to get at those funds. Um, so we're definitely seeing a lot of identity theft, um, smishing, right? And smishing attacks that you get that, that's a text, right? So you get a text that says, hey, your county needs for you to pay your taxes, click on this link. And so they think they're going to the, you know, the county website to pay taxes, but it's a bad actor that now has your phone credentials. They might call you back and say, oh, you better make your tax payment or we're gonna, you know, we're gonna foreclose on your house. We're gonna put a lien on it. They'll put a lot of pressure. And then, you know, the, unfortunately the person gives money or their credentials up to the bad actor. So we're seeing a use of technology, especially cell phone connections um, by bad actors to try to get people scamming people out of their credentials or money. Like scams are so bad right now. We call it scampocalypse <laughs> that like there's like literally a scam for everyone, right? And whether it's on Facebook or, you know, social media, you know, coming in through your phones, just high velocity of scam attempts uh, on both uh, employees and consumers, right? So, uh, you know, education to all of your employees in a county to be hyper aware of scams of anyone that's calling for too much information that is purporting to be a vendor or someone you work with that may not be just you always want to make sure that you're validating anyone that you're working with or exchanging money with, um, you know, a tremendous amount of business email compromise and invoice compromise that we're seeing where um, suppliers at the, the counties might work um, with, you know, they'll have um, like a, you know, a breach on their side and their emails compromised and they'll send an email, you know, to um, to the county and say, hey, we've changed our payment instructions, pay your invoice in this new location. And if you don't validate that with your true supplier, you're paying the fraudster um, that invoice amount, right? And so we see like a lot of trends, um, you know, where um, oh, they're trying to interdict and, and do business email compromise with, with the counties as well. So you, you use the word validate a number of times in that, in that answer, right? So can you talk a little bit about how we, right, as county employees, as a person working in a county treasurer's office or a finance office, how do we validate uh, a, a potentially um, scam email or text message? Yes, always call a person you know, right? You want to make, do not respond an email, right? Because you're working with the bad actors. Um, so like always they have a contact that you know that you can reach out to directly and speak to them. Like, did you really change your payment instructions? Did you really ask for this? You know, there'll be like, those are, um, there's those scams out there like, oh, so-and-so wants you to send me these funds right away. Right. Your CEO or, you know, your CFO wants you to send money to me right away in gift cards. You know, like you always want to make sure that you are validating with that person that you're they're purporting to be to make sure you should do that. And then really trust your gut. I think so much of fraud is just listening like that doesn't feel right. Like I do know your business, you know, you know, your business, you know what good looks like. So when something comes in and it's, 
you know, it's being a, like kind of aggressive, right? The person's being aggressive about it, or it doesn't seem right because you've been paying that supplier the same way for years, right? And then why would they change their instructions? I mean, always kind of use your like spidey sense, right? Be always hyper aware. If it doesn't feel right, definitely validate. Definitely, it will, like people will not be upset with you if you double check. And then really, if you feel like you're engaged with a fraudster, hang up, right? Like, I think a lot of times people will end up interacting with a bad actor and they're, and they get it and they're like, oh, wait, I, I don't think this is right. But they don't, they don't hang up, you know? So I always try to tell people like, it's okay, right? Like, it's okay to, um, you know, disengage and, and go do some due diligence um, because once they have you, then it'll accelerate. Then it'll be, okay, we need more money. We need for you to do this. This is really important. It'll be about pace at that point. Yeah, it's not, it's not about being nice. Don't worry about being nice, right? If, it, if you have that sense that something's wrong, something is probably wrong, validate. Take the five minutes you need to take to pick up the phone and call that person you know at the other end, whether it's a vendor or the bank, right? Yes. Or a, an employee at your county saying, is this you that's asking me to do that? Good yes, yeah. And then remember like, no one, no one that's real will ask you for your credentials, right? So if anybody's asking you for a password or a username or sends you a link that you, well, we just need for you to like click on this link and log in here, like all of that's going to be bad. That's not how banks, us or other banks um, work with our clients. And so those are all good red flags to know that that's probably suspicious. How about a time of year? Is there, um, are there increases now? Um, I, the pandemic you mentioned, and absolutely we've seen that across the board. Um, is there, in terms of the calendar year, is there a time of year where it's, uh, where there are more, you know, scams and frauds out there any time of year? Yeah, certainly on the consumer side, we are in that period, right? So we always say kind of between um, Veterans Day and Martin Luther King Day, like that's really the season of fraud because it comes in around the holidays. Shoppers are out there, uh, especially during uh, supply chain concerns, right? You have people who really want that item for their child and you can't find it anywhere, but all of a sudden it's there on Facebook, right? You're tempted to like, oh, buy it from there, right? And it ends up being a scam. Um, so definitely uh, we see like through the rest of the fourth quarter and into January, a heightened for consumer fraud, I would say for businesses and, and the counties, I, I would always be on alert, right? I think you're just always going to be a target, maybe more in the summer months, actually, because I think they know that people start to vacation. Uh, fraudsters have realized like around the holidays, Friday afternoons, right? We always see an increase of wire fraud on Friday afternoons because they're trying to time it to get the wire out when the wire room closes and they have the weekend to move the funds. And so um, it definitely uh, times where they need to be more people on vacation, they'll, they'll target those times. That's really interesting and good to know. So yeah. be, on yeah, the be aware as you're going into the holiday season. Right, right. Um, can we talk about some specifics here? What formats of fraud are you seeing uh, in, in terms of the government space? Um, what about check fraud? 
Oh God, check fraud. And can you talk? Can you talk a little bit about that? What is that? What is check fraud? Yeah, check fraud. If you would have told me four years ago that check fraud would be the hottest thing in the market, I'd have been like, really? Because it was really, it was not a, on our radar for the longest time because people had started to stop largely using checks. And um, what happened again through the pandemic is uh, fraudsters like, hey, really, is like, hey, people put these checks in the mailbox, right? And it's got their name and their address and a full account number, right? Every check has the routing number and full account number on it. And, and all you have to do is take a little rubbing alcohol or nail polish remover. And I can like take off like all of the things that are written on that check and make that check out to me for whatever amount. And go put it through the bank and, and it, it takes a couple of days, but I'll get, I'll get the money off of it, you know? And I think what they realize is that because that's an older methodology of moving money and it's paper-based and it requires the network of banks to like clear that item amongst them, that that time offers opportunity for fraud. And that when we look at ACHs or wire or electronic payments, we see all that data in real time. So that's better for us in terms of fraud mitigation to like be able to say, oh, that transaction's bad because we have a lot of information around it. On checks, it's harder because you know, of the timeliness, it is a paper instrument. That instrument has a lot of you know, PII on it and they're easy to, to get, right? I follow a guy on LinkedIn that's a professor here at Georgia State University and he's got photos of people, the cars like loaded with people's mail that they just go and harvest out of subdivisions, you know, mail or they, you know, um, get into blue boxes and take and take all the mail out, pull out all the checks and then wash the checks, you know, take off the information of where the check was supposed to go, you know, put in the new information and then go try, you know, to cash that check. And it really has become, uh, you know, uh, well beyond what we ever thought check fraud would be. Um, and so, you know, I know that like the post office I heard recently, uh, they might be putting more security around blue boxes, kind of like, uh, I would love to see, I don't know if this is their idea, but my idea is, you know, how you, when you pull out a rental car and it has the spikes there, like that would be great for the mail. Like you can put the mail in, but you're going to get seriously damaged to bring it, to bring it back out. Right. Like, I mean, I think we're going to need things like that to come to market, um, to help, you know, stave off that check fraud. But I would say like for me and most of my peers, when we get together as an industry, we're talking about check fraud. So for the counties, use your positive pay a hundred percent of the time. I know it's a lot of extra steps. I know it requires constant monitoring, but it's effective. And so all of your transaction monitoring, just really, really watch uh, how, you know, those checks and if they're valid or not, because if we can put a stop payment on it, that's the best way um, for us to stop that from, you know, clearing like early, early awareness really helps there. You said that you, I think the term was positive pay. Yeah. So can you explain that? Uh, I may be the only one, but uh, my guess is somebody in the audience may not know it, may not have heard that term either. So, yeah. so what is positive pay? Yeah, it's a tool that uh, I think almost all institutions offer that um, that gives you the details about checks that are being presented from your account, and so then you can say if that check is valid or not. So if you see a check 
that is not in the amount that you thought you wrote it for. It's not familiar. It's not in sequence. It gives you an early awareness that that, that check is like potentially being used for bad purposes. And then you can call in and do a stop payment or there has technical capabilities to do a stop payment on that. So we know right away um, to not allow that check to process. So it's just another like monitoring tool. Okay, and you also talked about ACHs, right? So I know a lot of our counties are doing more ACHs. And, and so how, how do you at the bank, you said there's a lot of data associated with that. So what's a, what, what it raises a red flag for your team at, at KeyBank? We're always looking, we, we talk about profiles a lot. Everyone has a profile as a consumer, as a county, like we know what behaviors, like the types of payments you're processing, the velocity, the amounts, right? And so we have monitoring in place that's that, you know, is per like this monitoring all of those types of payments. If you have something that is anomalous to your profile, that will alert out to the team. And we may reach out to you and say, is that, is that? what you're expecting, right? We feel like that transaction's not right. Um, and so it's a, it's a lot about monitoring. And then with ACH, we have more real-time view of the data. We know the transaction you're sending. We know the transaction you're receiving. We've got the details of where it's coming from, where it's going to, the amount, plus your account history. All of those things together enable us to better predict if that item is fraudulent or not in, in a more real-time with with fraud, time is of the essence. And so for, you know, for the counties as well, if you are a victim of fraud, the faster you can call that in, the better, because early awareness allows us to um, potentially do recovery. Um, not 100% of the time, but the sooner we know, the easier it is for us to pull the funds back. Um, but if time has gone past, then that money is an opportunity to that fraudster is going to move that money quickly so that you can't really bring it back. Now, do you have a team that's that do you call the police to figure out who the fraudster is? Like what happens there once you know that something is not right? Somebody is, has taken somebody's identity. Uh, what do you do then? Yeah, so we will, especially um, for our, our commercial clients, we will work with um, our client and law enforcement to, um, you know, file the appropriate documentation that FBI uses an IC3 to report fraud. State, state and local governments have, have different forms and methodologies to report the fraud. Um, we do our own investigation, right? And we will work with law enforcement on what we find. I'll be honest, right? There's a lot more fraud than there is law enforcement. And so, you know, they're not apt to pick up every case, but larger cases um, where we can show connectivity between cases that there might be a ring, um, they definitely, you know, show more interest in. But unfortunately, you know, there's like the volume far exceeds the law enforcement capacity. But, you know, certainly on larger dollar items, we work closely with them in the investigation. I feel like we're just at the tip of the iceberg here. Um, and we're almost, we're ready to wrap up. So one thing I want to ask is, is there a way for our county officials to get more training? Does KeyBank offer training or um, like uh, 
reports or newsletters about um, how to continue to control against fraud. Yes. Yeah. And if you're a client, you should be getting a frequent uh, uh, communications and we do white papers and and we do do um, frequent like webinars on fraud. I get out there. So I might see you in a future webinar uh, in person. Um, but uh, yeah, we try to get the message out a lot. And then I would say um, FBI, like their website has a lot of information as well um, in terms of different fraud threats and trends. I always like, I, I would refer to them as well, but we, we certainly do. And then really just um, searching on fraud, there's articles, there's plenty of resources, you know, out there to learn more as well. And um, you know, and certainly on the ransomware side too. We talked a lot about fraud, but you know, um, cyber cyber issues and and ransomware have been equally as uh, as intense this year. Jennifer, if anybody uh, that's listening today in our counties have any questions or need any additional information at KeyBank that could be helpful to them, who can they call? They should reach out. To Brendan Baxter, and he can help coordinate um, with myself and my team uh, to provide more information. Uh, we're happy to do a webinar or you know work with uh, each uh, each county individually on uh, and more information. Great, thank you. Now, is there are there any questions I haven't asked you that you expected me to ask you before we wrap it up here today? No, this was excellent. And I just appreciate the opportunity to come and speak with you and to the counties of New York today. I really do appreciate your time and your service and you know all that you're doing out there um, for the citizens of New York. I just think that is wonderful. And you know, we're in the fight with you and um, you just appreciate all that you're doing. Thank you. We've been talking with Jen Martin, the Enterprise Fraud Risk and Operations Leader for KeyBank. She's an expert in the field. Uh, she's given us lots of great tips, what to look out for. It's kind of scary out there, but we have to protect the public fisc. And we appreciate, like you, Jen, we appreciate everything that our county officials are doing uh, to control and to secure the taxpayer funds that flow in and out of counties. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for your expertise. And thank KeyBank for your partnership with NYSAC. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.